Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast and podcast network, where we are dedicated to effective exercise with a potent mindset. Our goal is to inspire self-led fitness with the principles of critical thinking, exercise science, and how to think outside of the box of pop fitness culture. It has been such an honor to grow this community. I'm so just proud of this work and being able to help you guys connect deeper to your exercise. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast network, and I have spent over 10 years in the fitness industry as a business owner, a studio owner, a neuromuscular therapist, a strength and conditioning coach, a a personal trainer, but much more of the other things. And I am just, you know, so amazed by how much we can improve our exercise by understanding the undertones of what's going on. So that means having some knowledge about not what we see on the commercials or what's in like a pre-written program, but what's going on underneath the surface. And this episode is definitely on that theme. And it is with one of my great friends. He's a colleague. And I can't wait to share this episode with you guys because I think it's so meaningful and such a beautiful conversation. For, you know, for the long term, this the health and fitness goals that we have have really nothing to do with the new year, right? We are here to see a ripple effect in how our healthy mindset and our potent mindset around exercise can really impact our, our full life, our assets of health and wealth and help our family, our friends, our circle, see the bigger picture as well. So thank you for being here. You are contributing to something bigger than just your exercise. Truly, I really do believe that. But if you want to dive even deeper with us, go over to thinkfitbefitpodcast.com and that's where you can sign up for our newsletter. And this is a two times a month newsletter that offers a unique view on muscles, strength, and it's like the whole package, the podcast, the newsletter, the offerings that you might find through there is a portal to a new way to respect the body and respect health and learning about all of these things and really enjoying the process. It's a big uh, component of this, right? So You can also check out our affiliate page. If you really want to support the podcast, purchase those products, use the code. We have products over there that I use week in and week out that don't have any crap in it. There's no gluten, no sugar added. And these are certified uh, high quality sports nutrition products or, and I am, you know, just really in gratitude for you guys purchasing this stuff because it it helps with the podcast and I love that you have a you respect you know the the supplement industry and want to try stuff that supports people like me and doesn't want to put junk in your body so congrats (laughs) 
I'd also love to encourage you to hit us up with a review on Facebook or iTunes. Think Fit Be Fit podcast is uh, where you will find us on Instagram and Facebook. And these reviews mean so much to us. It's really wonderful to see the ripple effect of teaching you all how to embrace exercise science and how you're doing it in your everyday workouts. So make sure you, you can send us a message there and just let us know what's up. And truly, it's an honor. So thank you so much for even listening to two minutes of these podcast episodes. But this one, you want to hang in for the full hour because it is so just it's such an upgrade for your exercise. And it, it doesn't cost you anything, right? This is just how to think and apply, you know, stuff that the professionals are doing into your own exercise or your clients a lot of trainers and coaches listen to this podcast and speaking of today's episode is with Keith Shimon he is a co-owner of a gym in Madison Wisconsin not in but somewhere near there and that is called body activation you can check him out at body-activation.com this is a very highly personal episode because we talk Keith and I know each other this is someone I've trust with business advice and and professional development so this whole thing is coming from a very uh connected place like Keith and I have a lot in common and I just totally respect him and I really just love that he's in my circle of people that I can call a confident and someone I can trust and this is definitely different than our other toolbox episodes. And that, because we also have a different theme of movement science that we're talking about today, and that is our emotions in exercise and recognizing bias in your own exercise and even in the fitness industry on a bigger level. We talk about integrating emotions and exercise. We talk about long-term thinking, planning, um, and what that all means. And, and we talk about integrating life into exercise and how pain in an unhealthy body and how these relationships can change. We talk about the language that we use during exercise. And this is different than what we've been doing as of the last like four or five months where a lot of the times we're talking about cueing and feedback and, and how we're giving instruction to ourselves or to our client during the session and about the session. This is a little bit different. We're talking about the emotional tone of our fitness. And it's really, really cool. Um, it is, I believe, kind of the a new way that the fitness industry and the physical therapy industry is moving which is into a biopsychosocial model of medicine. And we don't see this much in fitness yet, but I'm here to tell you that this is going to be coming up and it is a very positive, very good trend to have. It's not, uh, this is the opposite of the usual rant about the fitness industry, right? So the biopsychosocial model is an interdisciplinary model that looks at the interconnection between biology, psychology, and socio-environmental factors. So this explains and examines how all the aspects of 
your whole life essentially play into health and disease and human development. So when it comes to exercise, this really is a potent way to to frame, you know, to think about movement and how you treat your body. This is a very deep conversation, so buckle up. And I will say, you know, just before we get started, think about something long-term as far as your fitness goes. Like, what do you really want out of your biggest health asset, right? Your biggest asset in general is your health. So what do you want out of that? And so I'm going to offer what I want, which is stability through change, right? I want to be able to rely on my body and have freedom within my body and within my physical health through change through the craziness of this world through the craziness of the relationships that we have in our life and emotional roller coasters and I think fitness can do that for me so that is really my big picture that's what I'm here for and I'm also here to show you how to do that like I got my I got my thing I got my shit on lock you know I know how to get after it as far as like balance and creating harmony in the body so another goal of mine is to be in a place of um where I'm open enough to share this stuff with you guys because I think it's just one of the most beautiful relationships you can ever have is to your exercise and no kidding I really do believe that so thank you so much for being here and thank you to Keith uh check out wait till the end of the episode because he offers something free that I am definitely going to take advantage of and it will be on his website at body-activation.com. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have a wonderful week and enjoy the episode with Keith Shimon. I'm really excited to have you in my my pod. I'm in the inner sanctum. <laughs> the inner the inner sanctum. Yeah. <laughs> For um, the effective thinking for potent exercise. And I feel like you're my, my, my brother in pump. (laughs) (laughs) I watch you work out and I know I'm like, I know what he's, I know what he's thinking. I know, I know that feeling. (laughs) Well, it's all about adventure. You know, it's all about exploration. And I, I mean, if we're not exploring, we're doing the same thing over and over. And that's a, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. But that's different than programming. Yeah, well, I, I think people get hung up, you know, on, and yeah, words matter. Words definitely do matter. Uh, programming um, is more of a process than than anything, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I view when I first started programming, I get so upset, right? Oh, they didn't do, they didn't do what I wrote, or I can't do what I wrote. What do you I mean you only rested? Thing. 40 seconds and not 50. <laughs> you didn't you did get you didn't get all your rest in. What are you talking about? You got to rest more. Don't you know what the literature says instead of like, <laughs> hey, maybe you count their rest and then see how they respond. Mm-hmm. If can they repeat it or not repeat it? Do they feel refreshed? Do I feel refreshed? Can I even do these things? Are they supposed to do what I think they can do? Mm-hmm. And and that's I mean when you think about it, I believe that, you know, we, when you, um, when you emailed this question, you know, this idea of like, most people put themselves last, period, right? 
most people put themselves last, whether it's the exercise practitioner, whether it is um, the person coming in for a training session, whether it's you taking care of yourself, you know, because life all happens, right? And, and, and that's even to the approach of how, how we move and how we think about moving, you know, it's like, how did we learn about how to take care of this, this suit in our mind, right, for, for life? And that's a, that's a huge dilemma, because from a very early age, there are, there are these influences, you know, and that's if you're lucky enough to be in a socioeconomic part of the world that, that you can even prioritize any of these ideas mm. rather than just the stress of where am I getting my next meal? Am I, am I being abused? You know, I mean, there's these big issues that are, that, that are, are alongside with that, that we could even have as we as being people that are in this industry could, could do so much more in providing, um, providing a way to think about taking care of yourself as a means of empowerment. And it starts with education it starts with reaching out towards other people that that you, that you could have an impact on, and um, and also this idea of like, what really does it mean to take care of yourself? Because mm. like when people think of oh I'm going to take care of myself, um, I think people get stuck into the idea of sports, right? Like if I took care of myself, I got to work out for sports or. Um, or there's a, a pain word involved because all of a sudden something I used to be able to do is now gone, mm -hmm. right, just gone. And, and, or now I feel the sensation I don't like in my, and something's making me pay attention to it now. So now I got to deal with this thing instead of, Oh, like I'm moving around. I can move around my environment, Right this body is pretty cool because I can actually move from here to there and my life is better because I can do these things I enjoy. Right. And, and you don't learn that in school. You, you go to health class taught by someone who smokes and is overweight, right. To learn arbitrary facts, not about like, Hey, you know, someday you may be dealing with pain. I learned hey. about gonorrhea. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> the most important part. So get the clap. It's like a scene out of um, what was the movie? Um, the, the Hangover. It's like, uh -huh. yeah, and like whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except yeah. gonorrhea. You can bring that. that That's home a health you. lesson. Yeah, <laughs> containment. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, uh, oh man, I definitely connect with that. That idea that, like, taking care of yourself is empowerment because you're creating a ripple effect. And if you do that intentionally, you're actually going to create healthy people around you. You're going to influence those people around you. And, or as something as the, you know, making the decision to shop where you shop. 65% mm. um, of Americans live in a food desert, which means, you know, there's no grocery store, right? within I think a mile or so um, a mileage amount where these people live and then they have to rely on processed food for their nutrition which is not 
not good. It's mm-hmm. it's not good for them. It's not good for the country. It's not good for any any economical development. Um, and you know, we can make just choices like if we support a market that is local and pay mm-hmm. a little bit extra because we can. That's a health ripple, in my opinion. Um, let alone like actually participating in community events of some sort, whether that's, you know, anything from a blood drive to um, like the free events put on by the business associations. And anyway, so I just wanted to say, I really like wanted to highlight that as, um, as a, as a thing that you mentioned, because we're talking about uh, the theme is the toolbox, you know, Mm -hmm. um, of you know what my little corner of the fitness world has to offer and my that's why I keep referring to these guests as my little corner of the fitness world is very small and I respect uh the people in this corner because they are so engaged with learning and teaching and that is definitely you so can you tell the audience a little bit more about you and your podcast and what's going on uh with your like mm, no yeah I think you'll answer that (laughs) yeah for sure no I you know first of all you know I I was going to start with a a small little story right And, and something that you can you can completely relate to so um I started off in this field, exercise field, because I was um, an athlete. And and at one point in time, I wanted to learn how to become a better athlete. So of course, I studied physiology, human body, that kind of stuff. And it led me towards some pretty interesting people in in this field where, you know, there were advanced people in in body work, um, Mm -hmm. advanced people in strength and conditioning. And everything was cruising along. I mean, um, very, very fortunate. Like uh, we had the fastest person runner at the NFL combine five years in a row, you know, uh, the outfit that we were working at, which was a huge accomplishment, I thought, right. And I go on, I go on this amazing trip, like we, my wife and I had been married for five years, a five year wedding anniversary, go to Puerto Rico, you know, we go, out to this little island called Vieques and we're swimming in the bio bay under the stars with like the bio bay has this these streams of turquoise light like in the water coming down your arms it's gorgeous right mm-hmm. we had the time of our lives come back and I get a message on my phone my father had stopped breathing mm. and I'm like oh shit like there's something real that has happened, right? Mm. Fly back home that day, like just got back home. And this is our busiest time. The NFL combine is coming up. Major league baseball prep is coming up and I leave. I just go back home. And my father was diagnosed early with ALS. And I was Mm. like, okay. Yeah. He couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. He was, like the equivalent of a three-year-old trying to communicate with, right? And I'm like, this is, this is what this is all about. I'm like, okay. Not that, I mean, athlete training, helping people re- like 
get to their peak is huge. It's, it's a fun thing to do. I realized that those people are going to heal from a lot. Those people are going to heal pretty much regardless of what we do, unless we're doing a really bad job. Mm-hmm. Hmm. People that need us the most are the 99% of the people out there that don't heal well because athletes are like less than 1% of the entire population of the world. So when I got home, I had this life hit me in the face. I'm like, this is where I really want to start working. So everything became about, okay, why doesn't anybody want to move? Why does everybody eventually leave exercise that are in the profession whether you're a physical therapist. I mean, the attrition of exercise industry professionals is ridiculous. I don't know if people know that, but it's like yeah. it's like 90% to like 95% after 10 years. That's a that's I didn't know that. I mean, I, yeah. I just guessed it was high because it's I've ridiculous. been doing this for a while. Right. And, and, and like because most of us, you know, we think one thing is supposed to happen with exercise mm-hmm. and or a movement or and or health. And you get frustrated because like my wife, who was an occupational therapist, she's not an occupational therapist anymore. She doesn't do it anymore. She got frustrated, right? Because she felt as though like people just got to a certain point and that's, that's all that happens, right? And, and I, I believe it comes to that same idea where it's like, okay, our toolbox now becomes why are we doing this thing to begin with? What is the purpose of us moving, period? Like, why do you want to move? And that reason is individualized for every single person. There is a purpose for every single person. And our goals as coaches and as professionals is to relate to another human being and find out why the hell they want to do this thing. Is it pain? physical pain? Is it emotional pain? Is it because you do not like who you are and you want to change something? Is it because you would really like to be able to go and do something with somebody else? Mm. Right? Like, oh, man, I really want to go on walks with my husband. Mm. Right? Oh, you can't do that? No. Okay, so if you could do that, life would be better. Cool. Let's put that as a priority what is your fundamental objective of doing something, right? And as we know, right, the more that people are aware of why they are doing something, Simon Sinek, start with why, Mm -hmm. right? Like they have the purpose. And if they have a purpose, chances are they're going to actually follow through with something. And the thing that they're going to do, they're going to notice if it's getting them closer to the thing that they want to do or keeping them there, right? So, Instead of this arbitrary goal that is set with weight and time and rest and exercisey stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And or um, what is a therapy world's? It's like uh, activities daily living, right? It's like can you do these activities of daily living? It's it, relate to people as people, not like elbow person, shoulder person, back person, right? Mm-hmm. And and those ideas. Um, are fundamentally a communication error, right? And, and so communication ideas and then skill set ideas have to be top notch in our industry as in exercise or in, in human movement and sensation science, 
mm. whether or not we're going to be even talking about apples to apples to each N1 study, which is each person's a unique sample. When it, when it past the age of like 12, you got a ridiculous amount of individual wiring that's going on and, and you've been on medications and you've, you've been hurt. And, and so it's like all those things, they matter. Mm. And that's why they should matter to us as the people that own this system, right? And, and but we're not taught that. Mm. We're, we're, we, know, we don't recognize it. And I think like, I, I'd like to challenge every single person that listens to this saying, okay, if you're really going to think about journaling, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that's one of the most cool things you can do is, is get to know you. Mm -hmm. It's like, you got 10 different things that I wrote them down here because of course, off the top of my head doesn't work so well. <laughs> I'm old. So <laughs> the idea of what you can do to actually prepare yourself just at the base level is have an understanding in the front of your journal what injuries you've sustained, what surgeries you've undergone, what medications you're on, family history, like do you have anybody in your family that's been dealing with anything? Do you have any diagnosed diseases or any diseases, period? Um, pain, what is your normal activity history? Have you been an athlete or are you a bookworm, right? Do you move much or not? Um, what kind of stresses have you been underneath? Are they high levels of stress? Are you male or female that has given birth to somebody? Because that matters, right? And then what is your normal sleep recovery nutrition cycle like? Mm -hmm. Those 10 things can give you a really big roadmap on, okay, what are the parts of your body that may lack the ability for you to control? Mm. How well do you recover? Am I sleeping well? Am I nourishing myself well? And do I have a disposition that may make me recover worse or put me at higher risk of even exercising to begin with? Like I may need to see a doctor because my family usually passes away from heart attacks by the age of like 50, mm -hmm. right? Which is a huge deal that everyone's like, oh, don't worry, you're, you're taking great care of yourself. <laughs> like the core of your family like my family has died by the age of 52, 57. I, I should get that stuff checked out. Mm. It's a big deal. Were you going to yeah. exercise away coronary heart disease? No. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I mean, the, I think one of the takeaways I just got from that is, you know, you're, you're moving to this, uh, you're rebranding stimulus. It sounds like rebranding. Challenge. What challenges. was that? It's, yeah. it's basically challenges mm -hmm. and coordination. There's like, to me, there is no such thing as strength. It's coordinated efforts under a challenge. And like, that's what we interpret as balance and strength and whatever, right? We brand these things, but it's really just coordinating your system under different conditions and challenges. You're just challenging yourself in different ways and you're practicing. Mm -hmm. And if we're, if we're aware of the, these practices, right. And that's the other part, like the first 10 things were the bare minimum of you understanding yourself. And then from there on out, each page is how do I feel in the morning? Okay. Right away off the bat, like I feel this way in the morning and then I eat this thing 
because I'm, I'm, I'm nourishing myself in the morning and then this is what I did for myself, right? Because I put myself first. This is how I moved today and this is how I challenged myself. So those three things, how do I feel when I wake up? What did I consume? First mm -hmm. thing. And then how did I move to then make me feel what way the next day? And that consistency of relating to, oh, those first 10 things, maybe I don't move so well where I've dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> maybe I don't move so well where, well where I've had a hip replacement or a herniated disc, or I've had knee surgery, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, maybe I need to practice more around these, these areas, right? And you can see that on a daily basis and then relate it directly to how you feel to have an impact on your well-being. Hmm. What do neuroscientists call that? Um, interoception. Intro. Yeah, that's it. Um, interoception is the ability to, you know, feel... Uh, code sensations because your brain's doing it anyways. The brain is, you know, it's a predictor model, right? It's, it's, it's just saying, Oh, this is safe. Oh, this is safe. Oh shit. This is not safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, Melzack. Melzack has this really cool, um, in his book, um, I think it's just pain Melzack because like Wall's got a book called the science of suffering it's it's an interesting book on pain but his partner Melzack mm -hmm. actually had this really cool list of different terms and in I think that was in the 50s right when he started started that out and in ever since like really describing this stuff that um how people relate that to getting more specific on the attention to themselves really creates a difference in well-being because it's that prioritization again. It's like, are you really scheduling yourself first? Are you paying attention to what's going on? Because the currency of your well-being is your attention. That's why you pay attention, right? Mm. So that attention is huge. And the least we can do for ourselves is to schedule ourselves some time of the day and then spring for a 99 cent notebook with a pencil and do this thing called journaling with a very inexpensive way to have a big way to ask questions that matter for you around your life, around your expectations of what you want for you. And that's, and that's why I believe that that is a huge leverage point for each individual, regardless of education, regardless of socioeconomic stature. It's like, if you can get a hold of a piece of paper and follow simple steps like that, you can start to at least change, change your environment, at least a little bit, you know, and speaking from a, like a middle-class white guy from Wisconsin, really. So it's the best that I got. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I think that, um, us understanding that we're we're being like that idea it gets hammered in the ground proactive right mm -hmm. this whole proactive approach and the idea of what is actually healthy you know it's it back to to a really quick story where I was like I had two people come in mm -hmm. right um, one was seventy 
and one was in her 80s and she's like Keith you know this it's hip pain it's just you know she was gone for three months I hadn't seen her she she comes in and out she's a snowbird uh, someone that flies away when it's mm-hmm. cold out and comes back when it's warm and she's like this hip pain it just won't go away I'm like okay okay like what have you been doing for and she's like well I just go for walks I'm like cool like you're going for walks that's awesome right you're going for walks uh, have you been doing anything else for it and she's like well I went to the doctor um, got an MRI and uh, the scan showed that there was absolutely nothing wrong with my hip I'm like well that's fantastic so like what you do she's like well I I got a couple of cortisone shots in it I'm like oh that's interesting she's like well what do you mean I'm like well, the latest research on cortisone talks about how it pretty much just melts connective tissue, mm. right? It's really bad on connective tissue. I'm like, I'm surprised people even do cortisone shots anymore, right? But I'm like, you have a perfectly good hip. The muscles are intact. She showed me the radiology report. I'm just like, well, this is interesting, right? Tons of pain. Everything's perfect, right? So I'm like, huh, reverse that. Someone else comes in, she's doing great. This mobility is a little bit off on one of her hips, right? In her 70s. And one day she has this burst of pain, right? She can't move at all. Mm. And I'm like, oh, what happened? She's like, I overdid it, really overdid it. I can't move. So I go and help out, right? Because I'm a helper. That's what Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. Go over to her house to help her out because she didn't have much friends or family around and help her to the doctor. This is pre way pre COVID. It's like three, four years ago. Right. And, um, we get the radiology report back. She's bone on bone. I'm just like, Oh man, you got no space in there at all. I'm like, this is the first time this has ever been bothering you. She's like, mm. yeah. I'm like, mm. Oh, that's interesting. So the, the course, the nurse comes in and she's like, wow, you need that sucker replaced. I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's nice to know that this idea of the, the materials that are not intact may at some time need replacing. Maybe, maybe, right? So I have no idea as an exercise professional when that line is drawn now because she had no pr- pain prior and her mobility was a little off. That explains why the mobility wasn't that great, but mm-hmm. she had zero pain. So it's like two days later, after we worked through certain things, she had no pain again. She just really overdid it. So then when do you get something replaced based upon pain? Because one, pain was there and there was nothing wrong at all with the joint. So you're going to cut it off and then shove a new joint in there? Mm. Or are you going to start taking pills and shots because that's what we're used to doing? No one rarely says that you improve how you move and you could feel better from it if you choose the right stimulus because our our whole body is just full of sensors ton of sensors like skin sensors eye sensors we got bone sensors we got like ligament we got joint capsule sensors any part like we're a system Mm -hmm. any part of that system gets affected affects another part of the system. It just depends on how you're wired, how you're going to interpret it. It's it's crazy. So it's like what you're saying, like, okay, now that you have 
no pain, do you then get your hip replaced? No. Oh, geez, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and there are times where if it's completely gone, Mm -hmm. it, it may be advantageous for someone in their 70s to get a hip replacement. It's like, when do you know when that time is? Uh, I'll tell you one thing that would be important, though, is making sure that how you control that joint and everything around it, you better start practicing at it because the better you are practicing it, whether you need the replacement or not, the better you're going to heal from everything else. Yeah, movement. I mean, yeah, movement. Um, really can be medicine in that way and medicine meaning it's it's not a placebo effect it's it's a very direct interaction with your body what isn't a placebo effect right now <laughs> you mean it's yeah. like it there was um via vs ramachadan wrote a book called phantoms in the brain right it's mm -hmm. really interesting he's the guy that invented um mirror like the uh, mirror, mirror therapy. Box, right mm -hmm. and um he called it phantoms in the brain because he studied phantom limb pain for so long. Mm. And he had this really amazing sentence. He was like, it's all phantom pain. There's no such thing as the phantom. We are the phantom. Mm. So I'm like, if we're always having these representations in our nervous system of what we believe we can and cannot do, and most of it's on the non-conscious level below our ability to sense it, then this movement thing is a constant reminder of what we can and cannot do day to day, second by second. Mm -hmm. So it's more like um, it's more like taking notes of what we're able to even do in our environment. Mm. So back, you know, back to knowing because you know, truly, we can't control our environment. We can control this this the space between the stress and the stimulus. Mm. And so back to that journaling, right? So you know, you, you know what the reactions are and then you create an outcome. Our interpretations are huge. You're 100% mm -hmm. right. Like the space between is our interpretation. There is a group mm -hmm. called Enlifted that um, has an amazing course um, that, that specializes in this idea called story work. We're constantly. That was on your podcast, right? Yeah. A guy yeah, named uh, yeah. Mark England. Mark Definitely England listen to that one. This. It, it is, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. I, I went through his level one and I'm on to uh, level two in February where we distill the stories that haunt our conscious, right? Consciousness. And it's, it, it can mm. be from, how we view what we do to interactions with the people around us. And it made this one idea come to fruition for me that, that now when I first start with somebody or um, if a thought goes into my head that makes me hold my breath, right? If, if anyone gets the opportunity to see this little video, it's called, um, oh, what's it called? It's, it's got this little polar bear, this, uh, there's a polar bear called trauma bear. Yeah, YouTube trauma bear. And, okay. and what it does is it shows a majority of animals in our environment already know how to breathe, deep breathe, mm -hmm. diaphragmatically breathe. Most mm -hmm. of us 
when there is something that stirs in our subconscious that comes out and manifests as these ideas in our brain that hold us back, all of a sudden our breath gets caught and trapped in our chest, our jaw locks up, we feel this tension in our throat or our stomach or part in our body, and it festers there time and time and time again. And most of the time, we stay that way until it starts winding up and becomes this crazy story in our heads that keeps us from doing stuff, right? What is that thing? It's like each one's unique in that. So bringing the breath back down in the abdomen, being able to write out those stories conversationally so that people can have a start and an end to, the, to that story that's haunting them. Gotta have the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we got something to work on and coach through that is just literally talking about what they're going through, right? Mm. And it's literally their their interpretation of maybe exercise. It's like, well, okay, when was the first time that you felt as though you had trouble with moving, right? Oh, it was when you got made fun of in gym class. Okay, tell me about that time in gym class. Right? Does this have anything to do at all with gym class? Mm. Oh, it really doesn't. Okay. Well, is this about you then wanting to do what? Mm. Right? So it becomes this conversation that needs to be had before even starting any of this process. That whole idea of why someone's doing it, what kind of history does someone have coming in? And us recognizing our own history, that's so huge. It's, it's so, so huge. And that's why um, our reality is based upon those stories. They're constantly reframing our reality. And we can change that reality, which is pretty interesting. And also very empowering, even if it's been full of some pretty traumatic stuff, mm -hmm. which is good. Yeah. I mean, so are you story timing with people that walk into your place and see like two dozen machines and they're like, oh, it's story time. <laughs> well, it, What's well, like, going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Like the idea of um, recognizing that. Yeah. It, it's just like any coaching, any coaching that anybody, uh, anyone does. And if anyone's coached groups before one-on-one, um, -on -one, if anyone's taught anyone ever before, it really becomes becoming a better observer and deeply caring about the questions that you're asking someone, not because you want to hear someone say something that's that's troubling, right? Mm. It, it's because you really care about this person moving forward towards their objective, it's like if we really care, and this this objective is actually a rational one, where it's like, oh, that that could happen, and you see that they're consistently um, putting the brakes on and sabotaging themselves, and they're using the words to sabotage themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Okay, what can you do? Pretty big yeah. deal. Having the opportunity to know what they can do and what they are in charge of, right? And that story becomes a really good place to start. And yeah, I'll have somebody literally, like if they're really sabotaging themselves, I'll stop the entire session and I'll be like, okay, what did you just say? And they're mm -hmm. like, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm like, okay, when's the first time you felt like that? Let's, let's write it out. Just write it out. See what you got. Yeah. You like, as a fitness specialist, you really want to know what your clients are trying to avoid. Yeah. Uh, and if that is linked to a memory, because mm-hmm. it could be, um, you know, something as simple as the cold weather, which is, you know, which definitely affects people's pain and activity level, um, amongst other things. And <laughs> you might, you might know more up there in Wisconsin. Um, and just ask Wim Hof. It's, it just, it, it makes you empowered. <laughs> it well, makes you bulletproof compared I mean, to with the right intention, right. <laughs> with the, you know, um, yeah, I've, um, he's a little sus sometimes. <laughs> um, and, don't say. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but, you know, the intention for his teaching is to endure in a way, which yeah. is different than what we're talking about. We're not asking people to endure, but we're, I think you're asking people to change their change their predictor model, which is their mindset. Kind of. I mean, part of that, right? Yeah. I think I'm asking people to, to put on their sensors. Mm. I'm asking people to feel. Mm-hmm. Most people do everything they can not to feel. They feel as if they are not feeling something. Mm-hmm. And for all you enlisted people, negation acknowledged. Mm-hmm. This idea that as soon as I stop feeling something, I'm now good. Okay. Because it's like, oh, I don't feel pain. I don't feel tightness. I don't feel fatigue. I don't feel this. I'm like, oh, I don't feel anything. That means now I'm good. And so now this idea of proper fit, and which was interesting with, with Paul Juris when he's talking about fit for what, right, is this idea of, yeah, Am I a good fit for my life, my lifestyle? Is my body a fit for what I want it to be able to do? And if I block off how I feel about things and how I sense things, (laughs) you're going to be really misinformed on what you can do for yourself. Mm. Completely cut off. And this is literally one of the steps of do you think there is a link between this memory, mm-hmm. right? Because we're just we're just talking about a story. Like we're mm-hmm. we're that's all we're gonna do, and linking these memories towards a feeling. That's it. And then they're feeling the feeling, and then we're relating to what they're going through and how they're using their body and what they feel, what where they feel it in their body. Very mm-hmm. simple. Very simple. It is. It is. It's not easy though. No, it's not easy. I mean, I think most of my work is really convincing people that they're a fucking unicorn. Like you guys are awesome. Like I am more than a cheerleader. Like I I am, you know, I really want to help you write a chapter in a way. Like I want to show you that these things can happen. Yeah. Um. And I, I just, I, you know, I, I really hope the, the fitness industry starts to change in its 
tactics in its education. I mean, obviously, you know, that's like my passion is yeah, this education yeah. piece, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think is the next, like, do you think that is realistic? Am I crazy? No, I think, I think, well, we're always crazy. That's what makes, that's what makes us unique. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> Fishing for brain cells, right? And that's what I do all the time. So what makes us unique is this idea that all the ideas that came before us are just thoughts. And these thoughts in themselves allow us to then have our own ideas and be able to then see is this risky or not risky for the situations that we're helping people with, right? And and I love the idea of saying, you know what? I want you to be the best version of yourself. Like, what can I do to help you get there? That's that's so important. It's like mm. you have all this stuff going on. And I'm like, I'm going to treat you like you. Like, I want to know what you want. And I, I might even help you figure out ways of figuring out what you want. Because it's like, if you don't know what you want, I can't want it for you. It's very difficult that way. And so does that feel like when somebody just has that number of weight, like that weight loss goal, they're like, I really need to lose this 7.5 pounds. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> and, be, it's weird because I, I haven't had a weight loss person or a fat loss person. Yeah. I, I mean, probably in 15, 20 years. That's funny. Yeah. And like I just, I mean, that's, it's my screening process for who I work with mm. is really like, okay, what do we want to do? And if it doesn't line up, I'm just like, there's a whole bunch of people that do these ideas of weight loss and fat loss and whatnot. I'm like, mm -hmm. that is my, it's not my passion, right? My mm -hmm. passion is, is helping people move and keep their body and mind as, as optimal as possible from the moment that we start talking to the moment that, that, that I die, really. It's like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to be at a high level of function. I want to be able to move, do the things I love to do for the rest of my life. And um, fortunately, have, have my wits about me all the way to the time when I croak. Mm -hmm. that's, that's it. And if, every, if anyone else has anything else they'd like to do, that's cool. Like, there's a ton of people for that. I feel there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't want to be athletes. They don't want to lose weight. They just would love to be able to walk again. Mm -hmm. They would love to be able to play with the grandchildren again. They would love to be able to go for a walk with their husband or wife, right? And the only way they know how right now is with shots and medications and surgeries and when that doesn't work, what do we do now? Mm. And you and I both know mm -hmm. that a majority of the problems has stemmed from how they view moving their body and the stories behind how that formed has been, okay, you're not good enough at sports. You got picked last. Um, you got made fun of for looking a certain way in a bathing suit or in these clothes, or your mother told you that you were X amount of pounds overweight when that doesn't even make sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Your dad told you that you need to put on some ma muscle mass because you needed to be a man, right? Mm -hmm. Like you looked at these magazines or these 
these ads on on a website or your your social media feed and these people look a certain way that only look that way for maybe a week or two out of the entire training season because if they continue to look that way they lose so much bone mass and muscle mass that they would deteriorate into nothing so it's mm. all fake mm-hmm. they're not healthy mm. <laughs> so it's like what what is it that we can contribute to the people that need it most which are that 90% to like 85% of the people that detest working out. And they have every reason to test working out. The same people that wonder what they should be eating because there's all this crazy information. I'm like, hey, if you know why you're moving, if you know your injury history and you just start to move and you become more specific and aware of how you're moving because of how you feel, you're already in a good position and you've started. Good job. You've started. And you can keep mm-hmm. doing it because guess what? You don't hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't hurt now. You're not sore. I mean, mm-hmm. you can exercise and not be sore. You can move and not be sore. How many people come to you and now say that? Like, oh man, I'm not so tight. I don't mm-hmm. hurt so much. It's a lot more difficult to keep moving if you're in constant pain or stress. Mm. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. My, my screening process has reflected that, that, you know, um, I, I, I really want people to see that exercise by itself can be too like a stress and that they can, you know, measure it, they can dose it. And I want to know if people have thought of that before I meet with them. Mm. Because yeah, I think it's... Imagine, yeah. imagine if like they're already stressed sure. before they're going into an exercise session because of their thoughts of exercise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like they're already pumping out, they're already pumping out a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of chemicals into their system that already makes it difficult to recover from. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, folks, um, it, let's say here, and this is a real life example for me, from me. Um, you guys follow me on some capacity, you know, that I really am a dedicated Pilates student. It's one of my favorite ways to exercise. And, but when I first started, I would walk up the stairs to the studio, very, high price studio. And I was like, okay, these tall ballet-esque women are expecting me to do something. And I feel like, you know, a bird with one leg. Like I what? So you're six five, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, because Pilates has a look to it. They don't mm. they don't sell it as a full body exercise system. They sell it as look at me system. Well, how many how many exercise systems market themselves as a look? That's what I mean. So I'm walking in there. I even know, I know that it's not about that. I know that the reason I do Pilates is because I can, I actually gain a lot of um, range of motion from it, Mm. especially in my back. 
And at the time I was, and I still am, I was golfing a lot. And I, I knew right away, I was like, oh my God, this feels so good. If I stay regular with my Pilates, it just does. Mm-hmm. But I'm five two. And so there's this like thing in my head that only tall women can do Pilates. Mm. <laughs> and so I walk into the studio with this idea and that is creating fear in my body. And that, did you that have, holds did you me have back. Like, did you have like the platform shoes to make you six feet tall then? Mm, you could have no. been the tall woman then. You've <laughs> yeah, just done yeah. Pilates and platforms. <laughs> yeah, well, let me think that worked. I mean, there are platform sneakers that are pretty, they, they're not as chic now, but they, a couple of years ago, people were wearing them. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it really does like your bot, your brain already predicted that situation. It's and so, yeah. So yeah. you first, you go into the exercise sequences of Pilates and because I might have a little bit of fear in my body, I don't have confidence that actually affects my posture too, mm. which definitely affects the exercise, you know, like, is it going to tighten that. you up? Yeah. yeah it's it, going to tighten you all up. Well, yeah. Fuck especially since you're supposed to be using your neck and your shoulders. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one example. And that's like a really, you know, um, I, and uh, people, I don't admit when I'm mentally weak. I, so just appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you see, say I, I, I'm, I'm married. So I, I admit that all the time. So uh-huh. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm it's kind like, of the I, alpha. I really, I really messed up on that one, sweetie. So it's all, it's all good. Yeah, no, I'm, I, 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 I'm stubborn. Um, so like, you know, just thinking of it like that and being able to change your client's experience when they walk in the door. That's our, that's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, our, the client experience is our responsibility and how we are the stewards of other people's health is like, what kind of responsibility do we want to take on? And do we have a system so that we have a process that someone can go through to feel comfortable with each level of that. And when it's out of our scope and out of our hands, that we have reliable people and a reliable network to then say, hey, you know what? I need some help. I really mm-hmm. need some help with this and things aren't getting better. Like, I, can, can you help me out with this, right? And, mm-hmm. and can we put our heads together and figure something out because, I mean, if someone already realizes that you have their best interest in mind, of which should be the prime directive, do no harm, right, is this idea of, okay, now I'm figuring out low-level challenges, and you're still feeling worse, not moving better, whatever. It's like, there's something else going on here, or I'm missing something entirely, right? And that's bringing credibility within within the exercise industry, but the, whatever the fitness industry, whatever you want to call it wellness, it's like having a sound network, having a way to communicate within that network, and then having a real process of communication to these people so that you put that person first is what this should be all about. Mm. What um, going into 2021, what do you think a personal trainer who was curious about being um, more aligned with their client and less aligned with a, I don't know, a, uh, a technique or a tactic. Yeah. Yeah. What is well, it? I mean, what do you, what, what advice do you give them? 
Well, that first story that I had where I was, you know, learning, um, <laughs> it was a crazy time, right? I went back to massage therapy school to get my license and I was coaching full time. So mm. I was like, hey, man, it's really cool. I, I learn all these different soft tissue modalities. And in Florida, as a massage therapist, you can do ultrasound, you can do e-stim, you can do all this stuff as long as there's PT there, right? So I was fooling around with all these modalities and seeing how it related to strength as a, as a strength and conditioning coach. Supposedly, that was my, you know, my title right now. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a title. Um, and when all of a sudden I realized that I was still doing choreography, it was like, if this thing mm. happens, then I, I need to do this with my foot placement because this person says that, you know, the foot placement here gets this type of activation. And I realized a lot of it was bullshit. It was conjecture. It's like, how are you ever supposed to know what happens when somebody is on their feet and they're balancing with weight? Oh my God, I know. It's like, there's no way to know. And if you do, then you are so far advanced from any thing else that's out there, then my, I tip my hat off to you, right? So when I realized that, I was like, I have a lot to study and I have a lot of biases I have to get over. So as I'm going through this thing, I still do, you know, I still catch myself. And at least as I'm starting to be aware of my biases, then, then I can catch myself in it because yeah. knowing the fundamentals of physics, mechanics, of uh, neurophysiology and of communication becomes the basics for being an amazing practitioner and taking our whole, like if you want to call yourself a trainer, if you want to call yourself an instructor, if you want to call yourself a performance coach, I really, it doesn't matter. Professionalism starts with your understanding of the basics and the review of the basics. And if you are committed to the basics, you're going to see some really crazy stuff. And you're gonna be like, boy, that's just crazy. How can people say that? You know, you're going to see that over and over again. And you're going to realize the stuff that, you know, I don't know if you've listened to your own podcast in the past and you, and you're like, I really said that, you know? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I gotta, I gotta catch myself again. Cause I'm like, Hey man, you know what? I, I meant it this way. And this is how I know it now. And, and I always tell people, you know, I'm constantly trying my best to improve. Mm -hmm. And what I say today is the best that I know now. It's always the best that I have to offer. I'm going to give you my best all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you're consistently giving your best, learning from people that are, that are trying to do their best and realizing that they're only human and that you can form your own opinion and collaborate with a bunch of really, really prominent people in your mind of who you'd like to talk to, because now more than ever, you can do it, especially mm -hmm. if you're, if you're really going after it. I mean, how many professors, if you're really going to say, man, I love your work, I loved your book, wouldn't give you an hour to talk here or there. I mean, especially if you read the book, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's all there for you right now. And in taking that initiative, learning the basics, communicating, and being diligent in your thought process to consistently get better for the betterment of your relationships becomes, mm. and how big do you want to play? I mean, are we talking 12 clients? Are we talking, you want to have a huge impact in your community? 
are you talking, well, I want to have a huge impact within the globe? Like, what, what's your game? Those are big deals. And I think that's, if you're in 2021, it's like, how big do you want to play? How well do you want to review the basics? And what's your circle of influence looking like? Mm. Hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, I think that is really a really big chunk for people to chew on. Because, I mean, we just spend most of our time in communication and sensation. Um, and these are things that you and I are learning as kind of veterans in this industry. Mm. You know, I know yeah. I am. Yeah. Oh, learning all the time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's what I meant before where you know, as, as new information pops up, it's rather than denouncing stuff, it's like, oh, okay, just step back, see where it fits, play with it a little bit, have healthy level of skepticism, but also being holding the paradox of being an opportunist and a skeptic at the same time mm. is, is very, very important because it's the same reason that people polarize from each other and all of a sudden they're not talking anymore it's like hey can we entertain some of these ideas that they may be a possibility or like in what scenarios are they a possibility that i need to be aware of or am i getting in my own way because i have this feeling in my gut that like someone's uh, like pissing on my wheaties right mm -hmm. so it's like where where are we checking our own gut reactions and realizing when those gut reactions happen, like, I'm puckering up. Why am I, why am I doing that? That's me. It's not you. It's me interpreting what's going on in this scenario. And why is that happening? That's my story. Get right back to stories again. Right. So it's like, Oh, I've got something to deal with before I advance this. And then all I have to do between my reality of this scenario and how I'm going to then, utilize this information or not utilize this information. It sounds like you could, like you have the brain, if I were thinking about all of that, like I would only be able to like see two clients a day. <laughs> well, it's the interesting thing is that, that the, the story work stuff can last about an hour and a half at times, but it's only done, mm. only done over zoom. And usually yeah, it's just like, okay, we're just doing one or two of these and we're just going to talk about it and we're going and, and to incorporate this into the words that I choose to use in our sessions mm. and me understanding, okay, this is what we really want to have accomplished in this period of time, right? So because here's your expectations of what you would like to do in this period of time. And I just get really specific with it. Okay, our goal is I want to be able to go on a three mile walk with my husband in four months. Is that doable? Oh, that's cool. Let's do it. Right. And now I'm going to hold myself and you accountable to do that. So I better get my ass in gear with understanding what's going to have like what's going to make that a possibility on my end and what can i do to help you stay mm. with that on your end because that's what i find from my own responsibility for my clients and feel like you don't do the homework like how can i help you do the homework right mm. what what's it going to what's it going to take on my end to help you do homework and if and if you're going to do homework that makes you feel good that's mm. going to help mm. 
homework yeah. that sucks not gonna help no <laughs> um for sure for sure what um to wrap this up can you give us a little preview what's on your podcast coming up or oh, heck yeah. yeah yeah i got um we're going we're gonna go deep into um the basics and the fundamentals of what people can do now to empower themselves to get moving um and then also how how they can track that easily and simply so mm -hmm. that they can have a huge effect on their life. So we're putting together, um, there's a sheet that um, as this podcast is released on the body activation, body-activation.com website that mm -hmm. all your listeners can have access to. Um, it's basically a uh, the journaling format and mm. it'll be a pdf of the journaling format so all you need to do is buy a little journal it costs about 99 cents have a pencil handy put it right mm -hmm. by your bed you know put it on your nightstand and then you can go through this process so that you can become more aware of what how you see what you do how it affects you and we want to be in the cornerstone of that beginning of the education of okay, like these are things that may be affecting how you view what you do with your body. Now let's do something about it so that you can move better for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Just really simple. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we have someone that will be talking about um, uh, peptides and mm -hmm. all these other like different compounds to help the body. We have someone that'll be talking about um, um, bioidentical hormones, but like what I really like are going to be these little casts on um, podcasts on communication mm. and how to have the mindset moving forward to then set your actual goals and to stick with them so that they're realistic. I'll definitely be listening. I think yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm into it. I'm a fan. Retweet. <laughs> Love it. Um, Thank you so much for um, hanging out with me today. It's been a while and yeah, I just yeah. so appreciate your, you're just always been so generous and open with me. And I just, I love that. Thank you. Well, I, I love your tenacity and I love like how you're really hitting this podcast the way it needs to be hit, which is sticking, sticking with it and putting some really cool people on it. So I appreciate that too. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for 2021. Cool girl. So, all right. Thank you so much and stay warm. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I really enjoyed that episode and conversation. Keith, is, to me, is a great example of uh, thinking outside of the box and being a very curious learner. And we put all the books that he mentioned in the show notes so if you're on that frequency please check that out as well and go to body-activation.com to check out the journal that he mentioned here at the end I certainly will be downloading that and using it because I just I love uh, seeing what my colleagues and friends create and he uh, is definitely someone I trust for, you know, if I have professional questions, I've got, gone to him. I trust his business acumen. And he has even, 
like counseled me I would call it like he was just doing it as a friend but when I was trying to figure out a big step in my life for growing my business and doing it in an aligned way he was one of the first people I called like we had I have so much love and respect for Keith so thanks again for showing up and bringing all those great ideas and being honest about how you view exercise and view your practice uh so anyways happy new year guys if you would love to support the podcast please check out ruby uh that is one of our affiliates that is a high-powered performance drink that's just fruit and vegetables i'm a huge fan I love the purple and orange blends. They are tasty. They feel good when you're drinking it. There's no sugar added, nothing added. It's just freeze-dried fruits and vegetables. You can purchase them and support the show at ruvi.com slash impactyourfitness. R-U-V-I. Or you can just go to our website, Think Fit, Be Fit Podcast and hit the affiliates page we have a couple on there and these are products that i use week in and week out and thanks for your support if you would like to leave us a comment or tell us how we're doing or have any questions about what the heck's going on over here send us a message through think fit be fit podcast on facebook or instagram We can also be reached uh, through our newsletter, which goes out twice a month, and it's a way to dive deeper with us and be more connected to your exercise. I just am so proud of this production and this community that we're building here, so thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and us, and have a wonderful week.